What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. I am your host, AJ, here with my brother, Tyler. It's episode 31, covering week four of the college football season. Happy to be here. Happy to be here with my brother. How we doing, man? We're doing good. We got a little special guest coming on the podcast a little bit later. You might recognize his voice from last season. Uh, so it should be fun. Get a lot of good insight into one of those games that's coming up. Yeah, I'm sure they're probably tired of just uh, our voices by now. So wanted to mix it up a little bit. Got somebody coming on uh, that's got some good insight for you guys. So lots of good games. This is probably the best slate so far of the college football season, don't you think? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, this slate is absolutely loaded. Yeah, I can't wait to get into it. Before we do that, though, as always, want to remind you guys, follow us on the gram, follow us on Twitter at Saturday6Pod. We always appreciate that. And most importantly, just share the podcast with somebody. Just say, hey, listen to this. It was pretty cool. These guys are all right. Share it with them. Remind them to turn on their notifications when they listen to it for the next podcast that comes out and to always rate and give us a good review. We appreciate that if you're doing it. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. We got six great games, and I want to leave plenty of time to talk about all of these because, like I said, man, it's just loaded this week. I can't wait. Got a bunch of top 25 matchups, and the first one that I wanted to start with, we'll head to the ACC. Got number four, Florida State, undefeated on the season. They're going to Death Valley. Going to face off against Dabo Swinney and the Clemson Tigers. Had an early loss to Duke, but they've looked good in their bounce-back games the last two weeks. Noon kickoff on ABC. Thought this was a little interesting. 81% of bets that are coming in right now on DraftKings find the Florida State Seminoles as two-and-a-half-point favorites or more. So um, very interesting. Lots of people feeling the Knowles. A little scared off of Clemson after that shaky week one performance. But uh, something tells me Clemson is kind of primed for this, and this is something when they get their backs against the wall, they're ready to uh, come out fighting. They've won 25 straight ACC games when they're at home. So going to be a good game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is kind of one of those quarterback battles that you're always uh, really hyped to see. Obviously, you got Jordan Travis. We've hit on him as we've covered Florida State before. And then on the flip side, you have Kay Klubnik, who beat out DJ Uyungle last year for this starting job, made him transfer. And if you look into it, these guys are sporting pretty much the same numbers. Jordan Travis, 739 yards, eight touchdowns, and one pick. Kay Klubnik, 693 yards, eight touchdowns, the exact same on two picks. And then, I mean, if you just want to go down offensively, when you want to talk about the two running backs, both of these guys are very solid. Yeah. I think Will Will Shipley for Clemson is just a little bit better. If I had to throw a fantasy team together, I'm probably taking Will Shipley uh, over Florida State's Benson. Um, and then their wide receiver rooms match up pretty well too. So I think there's a very evenly match, which is exactly why you see such a low spread. It's you know borderline a pick'em game because a field goal covers this spread here. So I think you got to start looking at some of the external factors. Coaching prowess matters. I think uh, whichever coach has the better game plan 
uh, going into this game is going to give their team an edge. And then playing at Clemson is tough, man. I mean, that's a tough place to play. It's not the most, like, foreboding environment in the country, but, you know, not many teams go there and win like you touched on. Yeah, I think, you know, you touched on the offenses for both sides. I'll go defense here. This Clemson secondary is actually pretty good, especially the safeties. We touched on that in that week one preview. But they got a matchup here, right? These Florida State wide receivers are damn good. They're big, and they can win contested jump balls down the field. We saw that in week one against LSU, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. For me, it's going to come down to Jordan Travis for Florida State, obviously. But the thing is, like, we know his legs are a threat. Can the Clemson linebackers kind of corral him a little bit, get some pressure on him? You know, Barrett Carter for Clemson, Jeremiah Trotter, probably the best linebacker duo, definitely in the ACC, uh, maybe top five in the country. So can they contain Jordan Travis, keep him in the pocket? Against LSU, he was lights out, completed 74% of his passes. But then the last two weeks against Southern Miss, 52%. Boston College last week when we saw them struggle, only 63%. So I think if you're FSU, you got to see that number be closer to that LSU game, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, you touched on it. Jordan Travis probably has the ability to either win or lose this game for Florida State. And those linebackers for Clemson are really good. He, I'm trying to think of like a good comparison for Jordan Travis because – while he is really good with his legs, he's very smart and he knows when to just step up in the pocket and have that pocket presence. His legs are a very useful tool, but it's one of those where, you Back know, he's Prescott. not right. I mean, very useful, but he's not just going to, as soon as the, you know, first read isn't there, take off running, you know, like he has that pocket presence that helps him. And that's something that you see out of like very veteran quarterbacks. That's what you want out of your quarterback to be able to stay in the pocket, deliver it on target. Um, so his skill set's going to be uh, paramount here in this game. And yeah. you know, if he can bring it, they got a good chance. I got Florida State winning the ACC. I've already told you, I got them in the playoffs this year. You know, I predicted that before LSU and all that. So I am going to go with the Knowles here. I think I think they got what it takes. I think this is their year but they're going to need something special. They can't just, you know, walk into this environment and, you know, expect a W. They've got to bring it. So no luck for Clemson at home, huh? Yeah, I, I'm i feeling it's the down same way. Year. It's a down year for I'm him. feeling the same way, and uh, I hate it. I hate it. My guy Tucker, my boy Donald Davidson, I hate to do it, but I think Knowles win this one as well, and I don't think it's necessarily close. Like, I think this could be a two-touchdown win. I just – where does the offense come from Clemson? That's my that's my question mark here. You know, I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I, I'm feeling it, man. I think it's a big win by Florida State here. I'm picking them to definitely cover two and a half. I can see them winning this game by 10, 13, 14. I think it might get ugly in the second half. Could be, could be close for three, three and a half quarters, but I think Florida State pulls away. We're going to be on the same side for that one. Where does their – offense come from touched on will shipley bo collins is averaging north of 15 yards a catch right now i mean the dude's got in three games he's got 200 yards receiving 13 catches and klubnik knows how to air the ball out i mean 
when you've got 107 pass attempts through three games, I mean, you are getting the ball to those receivers and they're going to be able to make some magic happen. I think it's closer. I think it's a field goal game. Yeah. So are you which taking, is why are you taking Florida State or what? I'm taking ta- Florida State. You're talking yourself into Clemson here, it sounds like. Oh, no. I'm just saying right. you, you don't think it's going to be that close. I think this is going to be a nail biter. Okay. All right. Let's head out west. A team that we have touched on a couple times already, and we're going to do it again because everybody's talking about them, right? So we might as well. Number 19 in the country, Colorado, Deion Sanders and company undefeated, 3-0. and Nobody saw it coming, unless you're a Colorado fan, maybe. They're going on the road, though, now. Big test. First big test of the season. Number 10, Oregon at home. Ducks are undefeated. Haven't really played anybody. Texas Tech was a nail-biter in week two. They escaped that one. We barely covered there late. And they're big, big favorites at home. The respect right here for Colorado is, is coming to a close. Vegas has got them favored by 21 in this game. The Ducks, 330 on ABC. 63% of betters are feeling the Ducks. Are you feeling the Ducks? Do we think Colorado, the magic continues, or this is where the Cinderella story comes back to earth a little bit? This one's tough to me because these are the type of games that Oregon does cover that type of spread, right? Like on the road, we've already talked about it. I'm not taking Bo Nix on the road for nothing. <laughs> but He covered home, last time, damn it. He covered. Oregon is one of probably the best teams in the Pac-12 at home. Obviously, you know, we know that Colorado's best players out right now. Travis Hunter, uh, the dirty hit in Colorado State, won't get into that. I hated that. Uh, I hated yeah. every part of that. So they're losing their starting corner and one of their starting receivers. So, you know, who do they have? This isn't a Colorado team that has the depth of, you know, some of these, you know, bigger schools that's, you know, got the blue chip ratio. But they do have Xavier Weaver, who we have found out is Shadow Sand or Shadura Sanders, excuse me. Favorite target. I mean, this guy just finds a way to get open, right? Mm. I, I, I think th- this offense is still electric. Yes, their defense is a little sus, but I think that... The defense or- is very sus. Right. I mean, they, they've they got good backs. Obviously, your head coach was a defensive back. So, you know, they're pretty good there, but their front seven is god-awful. But... Also, I've got a lot of question marks on this Oregon defense, man. I've got a lot of question marks. It was the it was the they, secondary last year that kept right, getting burned. Right. And they got exposed against Texas Tech, too. And obviously, this is a Colorado team that almost strictly throws the ball. I mean, their leading running back only has 25 carries on the season, whereas Shadir Sanders attempted 136 passes already. I mean, they're airing the ball out. So that's what I expect Colorado to do, which I think I think this is a very high-scoring game. I don't think that there's a chance that Oregon pulls out by three touchdowns. That's just that's way too big for me. I think Colorado's going to be able to put up some points. It's just can they match the pace of Oregon putting up points when their defense isn't doing a whole lot? I hear you. I mean – Everybody is going to touch on the offenses here, right? Colorado has allowed 16 sacks so far through their first three games. Shador Sanders, probably a top five, maybe top three quarterback in the nation. I'll go there. I mean, he's looked that oh, good. He's looked agreed. that good. That 100%. good through three games. 
but he is running for his life. I mean, this offensive line cannot block a soul, and they haven't played anybody close to the defensive line that they're going to see on Saturday. And this Oregon offense is not turning the ball over. They have zero turnovers through their first three games, so I think that's going to make life tough for this Colorado offense. If Shador Sanders is not getting the time that he needs, which I think is the case here on Saturday. I don't see them scoring more than 30 points. I see them scoring in the 20s here, and I think Oregon is going to march up and down the field on this defense. Bo Nix, you loved him last year. He's got a Heisman campaign already started in Eugene. They're throwing up billboards everywhere. I think if anybody is not talking about him for Heisman yet, they're going to start to whisper about it after this game because that's how bad this Colorado defense is. I see Oregon putting up 45-plus, 45-plus on this defense. And for that wow. reason, I think they cover. I I just I think the magic runs out here. I know you like Oregon to win the game, even though Colorado to cover, but I think it gets ugly. I think Oregon wins this game by 21 easy. Wow. And I don't even really consider that a hot take. I mean, you you say they're going to win easy, you know, 45 plus points. And you're like, that's a hot take. But Oregon's done this time and time again at home. I mean, they've got the capabilities. I just I think Colorado can keep pace for a little while and just long enough. So that's why I'm going to go with the bus. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Headed to the SEC. Two top 15 teams going at it. You got the number 15 ranked Ole Miss Rebels, Lane Kiffin and company. Undefeated so far in the season 3-0. They're headed on the road, though. Bryant Denny, Tuscaloosa, number 13 Bama. Lost earlier in the year to Texas. Bounced back the last two weeks. Seven-point favorites at home. Vegas thinks they're winning this one by a touchdown. 330 on CBS. 62% of bettors feeling the Rebels to cover that seven-point spread, according to DraftKings right now. What are our thoughts, man? Obviously, Ole Miss really damn good on offense. Lane Kiffin's going to draw it up. Defense is a huge question mark. Quarterback for Alabama, right? It's going to be Jalen Milrow. But this offensive line, they've got to do better because it has looked horrendous so far through three games. One of the best offensive lines in the country projected coming into the year, and they have definitely not lived up to it. What are you thinking, man? Big showdown. A lot of pressure right now on Alabama and Nick Saban. Yeah, I think Mississippi has they, – they know what they have. They've got a really good quarterback in Jackson Dart. They've got great running back in Kenshawn Judkins. I was really impressed. I I go back to their two-lane game. I think that's probably as close as you're going to get, you know, top 25 matchup. I was very impressed with what Ole Miss was able to do that day. And Alabama's sort of going through this identity crisis right now. You know, they don't really know what they are offensively because they don't know who they got at quarterback. You know, they play USF and they go through all three of their quarterbacks, you know, trying to see what they got out of them. And it almost leads to them losing in South Florida. I mean, that's embarrassing. I, th I think that's really bad for Alabama. In Alabama, in Bryant-Denny Stadium, can they kind of get back on track? I look for them to do that. But you touched on it. Their offensive line gives whoever the quarterback is zero time to pass the ball. Their receivers aren't that good at getting open, you know, so it – it's a tough thing to do. And Ole Miss's defense, going back to that two-lane game again, I'll, 
I'll keep beating the dead horse. They look pretty solid. I mean, they had a rocky first half. You know, Tulane was able to score on them, but you know that's credit back to Tulane's offense. Too. Yeah, but that's a good Tulane offense still. I like Ole Miss in this game. Um, I think it's a very close game. I think it's very low scoring. I think this is going to be a very defense dominated game, and I think it's going to come down to which team can win in the trenches. Who has the better offensive line and gives their capable quarterback time in the pocket and whose defensive line can get pressure on the opposing quarterback. Uh, And for this reason, I'm going to take Ole Miss to cover an outright pick is the tough one, man, because I think if Ole Miss has the chance to cover, I think they have the chance to win the game, but do it. Screw it. Let's go rebels. Let's go. I'm not, I'm not I'm not like a hundred percent. I'm kind of like on that fence there, but you're gonna take them to cover. Let's take Alabama to fall to two and two, a four and oh oh Ole Miss team with a top fifteen Ooh. win on their resume looks really, really Don't good. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh my Alabama fans, cover your ears. Hottie Toddy Tyler in the building. Let's go. Identity crisis for Alabama. We I don't know what they are. We don't I hear you. But, hey, that's why I'm going to fade you here, all right? Hear me out. Alabama goes away from Jalen Milrow. I think because Nick Saban was a little bit nervous, didn't exactly know what he liked. They've got offensive coordinator Tommy Reese who comes over from Notre Dame, right? He brings Tyler Buckner with him as a transfer. I think Reese really wanted Buckner to be his starter. I think Saban really wanted Milrow. And I think through the first couple games when Milrow struggled – against texas i think reese finally got what he was asking for and they threw tyler buckner in there and you saw the results it wasn't pretty against usf like you said right they they weren't going to lose that game but i think saban was like all right this is what you wanted right here's your starter let's see what it looks like and he got proven right right like this this is this is not what you want buckner starting for this alabama offense i think milrow is clearly the better option they gotta let the dude do what he does, right? Let him use his legs. Design this offense, Tommy Reese, around what Milrow does best, right? Ole Miss, they've got 10 sacks so far through three games. So this Alabama offensive line that we talked about that has the worst sack rate allowed so far in Power 5, the worst, let me reiterate, the worst sack rate allowed in the Power 5 so far through three games this amazing Alabama offensive line that everybody was talking about to begin the season. They've got to protect Milrow. And I think they do that by designing a run heavy offense. Like we expected to see from Alabama early in the season. They didn't exactly do that. I think they get back to it here. I think they exploit this trash Ole Miss defense. They're going to run for two, maybe two fifty, And I don't love it whatsoever. Would not be surprised if you're right on this one, but I'm going to take Bama at home is big to cover this seven. I think they can win this one by a touchdown. Nervous about it, but roll tide. Let's throw an interesting one in there. Roydell Williams, over under 75 and a half rushing yards. If you're going with the heavy rush game, over under 75 and a half rushing yards. Yeah, I'm going to take over. He had uh, about 120 last week. I think McClellan gets involved a little bit too, but uh, I'll take over. I think combined McClellan and Williams have 
170, 160 combined. I think they I think they get after this Ole Miss defense. Um and including Milrow, I think they get up to about 230, 240. I think they're I think they're running wild on this Ole Miss defense. I really do. Yeah. And I don't think they're throwing the ball a lot. So so I'll take that over. Okay. Moving on, let's head out to the West Coast again. We're gonna go to Utah. Got a big Pac-12 showdown here early in the season between undefeated teams. Number 22, UCLA Bruins. Going to face off against number 11, Utah. The Utes also undefeated, and they're a home favorite by four and a half. 3.30 kickoff on Fox, and this one's kind of a split right down the middle. 52% of bets coming in right now on the side of the Bruins. Question mark for Utah. Is Cam Rising going to play? We were asking the same damn question week one against Florida. We're still asking the question. Head coach Kyle Whittingham is not going to reveal a lot. You're going to find out at game time, is it Bryson Barnes? Is it Nate Johnson? They'll probably flip-flop both of those guys if there is no rising. Freshman quarterback on the other side for the Bruins, Dante Moore. He was a five-star, but he's a freshman. So uh, should be a good one in the Pac-12, man. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) Cam Rising's the question. I mean, but the thing is, is – Cam Rising's is, you know, pretty solid quarterback. You know, he's not going to be a first round draft pick, but he's a solid quarterback. But at this point in the season, if you don't get him back now, when he does get back, you know, he's he's going to be rusty. You know, yeah, he's practicing, he's throwing the ball, but you know, he's not going to be sharpened. He's not going to be game time ready. Uh, or game time conditioned, as a lot of coaches like to refer it to. And he's going to have a brace on that knee. So how well is he moving around? A guy that he's not. The legs not. are not. The legs are not necessarily dynamic. He's not running for 60, 70 yards usually, but he can extend plays. Like he's a he's kind of a, a playmaker outside of the pocket and improviser. So with a brace on, first game back makes it tougher. Right. And but you're at home. That's a tough place to play. You're at home. Utah has a little bit more seasoned veterans on their team, uh, but this more kid for UCLA, I mean, he's looked very good. Um, UCLA passes and throws the ball a lot more than Utah does, so pace of play is going to be pretty interesting for both teams. Um, so it's one of those where do you go with the young kid that has no experience or the backup that has no experience? Um, and hasn't even really looked that good. Utah's another one where who are you throwing out there at quarterback? You know, who's the lesser of two not so great quarterbacks? Um, in my opinion, at least, I like to see UCLA come out here and get a road win. Utah's a tough place to play. Um, I'd like to see them, but. At four and a half, I just don't think that that spread is big enough to take UCLA to cover. I think Utah's got a good chance to go out there, you know, win by a touchdown at the most. It's a close game. I'm not – no blowouts here. Close game. Um, But I think Utah's just experience, you know, all across the field is going to be something that propels them forward. Yeah, that's a tough football team, right? Like they're physically tough. They they like yeah. to dominate line of scrimmage. They like to run the ball. They play you tough on defense. Poor man's Georgia, but UCLA's got some got some guys on defense as well. Like this defensive lineman Latu, gonna be a first round pick probably in the NFL mm-hmm. draft. He's been getting after it, tied for first in the country 
so far through the season four sacks. So I think he's going to get after Cam Rising if he does play. Got a bum knee, already touched on that. I think he's going to get after him. I think he's going to get him off of his spot, make him uh, make him work, really. I mean, and then if it's one of the other quarterbacks, I think it's probably even worse. I mean, I think he's going to really get after that Utah quarterback, no matter who it is. I'm taking UCLA. They're on the road. Tough environment, like we already said, so it's a tough pick. But I think Vegas is just on the wrong side here. I I like UCLA. I like the quarterback, Dante Moore. Big dual threat guy. Got a nice arm. I'm going to go Bruins on this one and fade you again. I think Nate Johnson's probably going to be the guy. Obviously, if Rising's available, he'll start. But if not, I think Nate Johnson's probably going to be the quarterback that they trot out. And he's a freshman, too. Yeah. So, you know, inexperienced. Yeah, when Rising hasn't played, they've gone both quarterbacks, right? Like, they kind of rotate them throughout the game. But Nate Johnson is clearly the better dual-threat quarterback. Like, he's going to take off with his legs. If Rising doesn't go, I think think you might be right. I think he might be the better option just to avoid Latu in that defensive line for the Bruins and kind of buy some more time and make some plays with his feet. But I still don't think it's enough, man. I'm going to go UCLA. All right, Big Ten matchup here. Top 25 teams. Number 24, Iowa Hawkeyes undefeated so far on the season, 3-0. and But they're going on the road here, Happy Valley. Number seven, Penn State. Also undefeated. Big 14-and-a-half point favorite here. 7.30 night kickoff on CBS. 59% of bettors on DraftKings are throwing money on the Hawkeyes to cover that spread. I don't know. I don't know, they're a little banged up, but they got Cade McNamara, the transfer from Michigan. He's been able to make some plays for them. What do we think in Nittany Lions Hawkeyes? Yeah, McNamara, he he comes over from Michigan after losing the job at J.J. McCarthy, and he's had a little bit of turnover, you know, issues in these first couple games here. So, you know, he, he needs to be better at, at protecting the ball needs to be better at you know not throwing interceptions obviously we're on the flip side drew aller i mean the dude's killing it he's got seven over 700 yards four touchdowns on the season Mm -hmm. and we touched on it i mean penn state has the weapons i mean they got the the double-headed monster in the backfield uh with katron allen They've been able to put up big points so far this season. Um, they put up 30, 63, 38. So they've got the ability to score and score big. I think top 25 matchup, 730 at home. You're probably getting a whiteout, which, I mean, we've seen the issues that Penn State fans can cause an opposing offense, especially on third down. I think that this is just a bit overmatched talent-wise. Penn State is just that good. You said 14 and a half. Yeah. You touched on it. I was a little banged up. Got some depth issues there. I think this is a very attainable spread for the Penn State. Yeah, I'm thinking so too, man. I just I don't see, kind of like Clemson, but way worse. I don't see where the offense is coming from here for Iowa. I just... Their top two running backs are out for this game, banged up on the offensive line. Tight end is out. McNamara is going to have to do it himself. The defense has got to force some turnovers if they want to have a chance in this game to even keep it close. 
but I don't think Penn State's going to give them a chance to do that. I think this is a physical game. I think it's a low-scoring game. But I think Penn State, you know, you touched on Katron Allen, Nick Singleton as well. They've got really good running backs. You would think, you know, just run heavy here. They haven't been as explosive as I would like to see. They've been good, but not as great as they were in their freshman years. But it's it's too low. I, I, think, I think Penn State covers this one. I think – they don't even have to score 30 points necessarily to cover this one. Iowa State is, excuse me, Iowa, the Hawkeyes. Council Bluff's going to be mad at me for that one. Iowa is not going to score very many points in this game. If they get 10 points, I think that's that's like about what's expected in this one. I think 14 and a half is not nearly enough. I'm going to roll with the Nittany Lions. Low scoring, maybe less than 40 points combined, but I think I think they still get the job done here. I'm going to roll Penn State as well. So final matchup of the Saturday Six podcast this week. Got a top 10 showdown. One of the best matchups we've seen so far, non-conference. Number six, Ohio State Buckeyes. This is why we brought on Keyshawn to talk about his Buckeyes. They're undefeated so far, and they're favored by a field goal, but they're going on the road to face off against number nine, Notre Dame, 4-0 and on the season. 7.30 on NBC, where you can always find the Fighting Irish. 55% of betters are feeling the Irish here. This line opened at Buckeyes minus seven, and it's fallen all the way down to three. So something's going on here. Vegas thinks something is up. What are you thinking, man? Buckeyes, Notre Dame should be a damn good game Saturday night. Dude, I mean, I'm expecting an absolute shootout. This is going to be one of the most spectacular offensive games. I think we're going to see this season, not because the defenses are bad for either team. I think they're both actually pretty solid. We've touched on Notre Dame already, but you got Kyle McCord and you got Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman's already gone over a thousand yards and 13 touchdowns this season. I mean, he is what this Notre Dame offense has been looking for for years and years. And he is here. They've got an incredible running back and esteeme. He's got 500 rushing yards and five touchdowns already as a junior. This guy could be in New York at the end of the year alongside Sam Hartman. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's he's that freaking good. I mean, yeah. he is a boss. If I'm tilting the scales, Sam Hartman's the better quarterback, in my opinion. I think his teammate's a better running back. But when you got guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. to throw to, it gives you a huge edge. I mean – how many times am I going to get a Bleacher Report notification that Marvin Harrison's broken off a 70-plus yeah. yard touchdown? Yeah, I mean, it, it's every Saturday. I'm going to lock it down. Oh. This is going to be my lock of the week. I'm locking it down. I'm sorry, Keyshawn. I really am. But I just I got this feeling about Notre Dame, man. I think they've really got what it takes to do something this year. I think it being at home really helps them. Ohio State has not been tested this year. I'm locking down Notre Dame to not only cover, but to win outright. Oh, man. I, uh, yeah, I'll leave a previously recorded segment with Keyshawn to, uh, to give you mine and his picks. But, uh, I'll just let you know that we are on opposite sides. We're both rolling bucks. Let's hear what Keyshawn has to say. All right. So it's been a minute. But we got him back, my guy Keyshawn, our resident Buckeye fan, back on the podcast. Welcome back, brother. How you doing? 
I'm good, man. Appreciate y'all having me back on. Absolutely, man. Now, we brought you on because have not talked a lick about your Bucks so far this year. But we got a big one this Saturday, one of uh, one of many. So wanted to bring you on, wanted to get your takes, wanted to get the inside scoop. Got number six Bucks sitting at 3-0 and on the road. Got to go to South Bend now. Yeah. Number nine, Notre Dame. Both these teams undefeated. Not too many tests for either one of them yet. So kind of still trying to figure out these teams. They both have looked good, but haven't really seen a big test yet. We know about this offense, right, bro? Like, you got the backs, Henderson and Williams. Wide receivers galore. You know the name Harrison. You know the name Egbuka. Kyle McCord taking over at quarterback. What have, what have been your uh, thoughts on McCord so far this year? It's not not as bad as people think, but it's not accustomed to what they've been, you know, witnessing under Ryan Day. And you got to understand, you're not going to always have a top five pick at quarterback. So you got to be able to play complimentary football. And this really where – I mean, this this been the question around Ryan Day. So I think this year would be pivotal because if if we do succeed and able to beat Notre Dame and go on and win some games, it'll be his best coaching job, I feel like, because he's not re- he's not gonna be able to rely on you know a top five talent to get you know get you out of situations. You gotta be able to run the ball, you know, gotta be able to play solid defense, complimentary, you know, can't be as aggressive sometimes. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see, but this is a huge test for us. I like our chances though. Definitely. Yeah, I, I uh I've been like you said, kind of in the middle on McCord so far, there was talk, you know, him or Devin Brown coming out of fall camp, and obviously right. he wins the job. Talked about Coach Ryan Day. When we had you on last season, we talked about, like, maybe a little bit of pressure on Ryan Day now. <laughs> kind of crazy to talk about. You're winning 11 games and you got pressure on you, but uh, that just kind of shows how important that last game of the season is for y'all. Um, right. if, if he doesn't win this game, it's going to heat up even more, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He got because I mean, this is the thing. I had to. I, I did say that, and then I had to think. You know, Ryan Day is forty-seven and six as the coach. That's the it, thing, bro. It's, That's it's wild. It's he. It's like you got to understand the moment and the games that he loses are like pivotal, and they we all like we tend to lose in the same way. So it's like let's learn from it. You know, what I'm saying and be able to you know put put together a full season. But like I said, I mean, you honestly really can't be that. Like we was just in a, we was in the playoff. What? In 2020, 2020 national championship game, lost to Bama. In the playoff this past year, uh, you know, lost to Georgia. So it's like, I mean, you really can't complain, but, I mean, it's Ohio State. They won Natty, so it, right. it is what it is. He, I mean, the he knew what it was when he signed the paperwork. So. Exactly. The standard is set high, yeah, right? So, saying, um, you also touched on the defense, and that was one thing, you know, we watched him in year one under Jim Knowles. And uh, I just want to get your thoughts about, year two under Knowles and kind of what you've seen, have, have there been some improvements? I know you, I know you're a little iffy on that secondary last year. Yeah. Have you seen anything that's, uh, that's changed your thoughts? Uh, I went like, I, they got uh, Jordan Hancock back and uh, he, he been these first three games, he'd been, uh, been able to hand, handle his own in the slot, which is, you know, which is a good sign. Burke has been looking better. It's just it's the safeties, you know, the safeties, uh, ransom, Proctor, Proctor, this is fifth year, so I mean, he got this this make or break. Um, but then I like I like the linebackers too. Though. The linebackers they mixing in a lot of young talent with the Sony Styles kid, like 6'3", 240, real rangy, athletic to go along with Steel Chambers and Eichenberg, the real thumpers. So I, I like it, but like I said that like this year's year two under nose kind of get more players in that fit his system because you know like you're saying last year he cost us that he cost us the semifinal game. I mean, it is what it is. First and yeah. ten, win man free. Come on. A 12-yard cushion, Anaya Smith ate that up, Jesus Christ. 
Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. So I, we got to, got to, got to see improvement. It's not, it's in a Hartman going to be a great test. Cause I mean, like I said, he put a lot of college ball and he throw a lot of touchdowns. So, and they got some, they got some pretty good receivers. Yeah. I wanted to touch on the other side with you too. So it's like, you know, you talk about the defense, they're going to be tested this week. Right. You know, they get the big transfer in Hartman. We've touched on him a few times already this season. He's looked pretty damn good. He, I mean, he, he looks like a 25-year-old quarterback. Right, you know, that's exactly. what he is. He's, he, you know, he looks of, experienced. He's played a lot of ball. Um, and then nobody's talking about this kid, but a teammate, that running back. Yeah, he lead the FBS I mean, in Russia, though. That's what I'm saying. And nobody yeah. nobody outside of, of hardcore college football fans really know this kid's name. Offensive line is pretty damn good as well. The weapons on the outside, young, but, but promising. Exactly, yeah. Defense has got to step up for Ohio State. I think you got to make Sam Hartman beat you, right? Like if uh, if Estime is able to get some traction here, if he's running for five six yards a clip, I think it's it might be a, a long day for that defense. Right now, and this is the, like I said, like Ryan Day is go back. Gotta you know saying gotta understand moments and also learn from them. Like I said, like last year Michigan just came pound you know saying grounded pounded us you know saying like quorum edwards is now so i mean the big 10 i mean braylon allen like you know the list goes on it's some good back so you gotta understand yeah you gotta gotta you can't just come out and get you know dominated in the trenches gotta be able to stop the run yeah and like i said i mean and hartman like i say he probably gonna make some throws but you got freshmen going on you know seniors fifth year you know fifth year junior stuff like that i'll you know so I, i'm gonna go with the experience Yep. I hear you. So obviously you're going to take your bucks, right? You're taking them to cover that three point spread. You think they win by more than a field goal? Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe I get out of there 10 points. Now I will okay. say that we can't get no shootout though. I'm saying, I'm thinking, you know, saying kind of not, not low scoring, but not as high. 30s. Not, yeah. In the thirties. Yeah. Not, you know, so not forties, 50 point, you know, 50 points. It'd be nice to see, but I feel like that wouldn't, that wouldn't go well in our favor. If Notre Dame won the game, what went wrong? I would say they put the ball in, like, putting McCord in harm's way. And not as far as harm's way, because Notre Dame's defensive line is actually not that good this year. They lost a lot last year in the draft. But, like, having him having a, you know, because he likes he likes Stover. He's more comfortable over the middle. Outside the numbers where you got, you know, saying the two dogs, he kind of struggles. So it's like, don't try to come out, you know, forcing his neck, because Notre Dame's secondary could, they you know, they're kind of ball hockey. So I would say, like, you got Henderson, Williams, even uh, Hayden, uh, Xavier Johnson, Tantrum, like you, we should be, we should be running the football. Definitely. Right. Football. I hear you. Hey, I ain't going to fade you. Yeah, I'm going to roll with you, man. I got, I got bucks covering three. I, I like them on the road. It's going to be a tough matchup and uh, really a huge game for, for both teams. If they want to make a run at this college football playoff. So, Hey, appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, it was good to have you back on. We'll get you back on again before the season's over. I'm sure. Hey, maybe we'll see you in the playoff again, my yeah. guy. Hey, I hey look, we this this the schedule favors it, and I said we if we get past this test, I I like our chances. I like our chances. I like. Our I chances. hear you. Well, appreciate it, man. Uh, I'll let you go. Thank you for being on, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Appreciate you, my man. Always. All right, so that's it, man. We got six picks against the spread for the best week of college football so far this season, week four. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Any final thoughts for him, man? While you're scrolling through and flipping back and forth to each of these games, you can get final score updates. You can get anything big that happened on our Instagram at Saturday Six Pod. Give us a follow. 
uh, interact with the stories and the posts that we put up there so that you can stay up to date on all the games that you might not be watching and uh, just give us a follow and, and download these podcasts. And we appreciate you guys for listening. Yes, sir. Until next time, my brother Tyler, I'm AJ. That was Keyshawn. We enjoyed it. We'll see you guys next week.